And we're live. Coach Derek Larkin, how are you? Doing great, man. How are you, Brandon? I'm doing just fine. Thanks for being on the podcast, Seize Your Mind, the soccer podcast about soccer, mental toughness, and life. Our guest today, Derek Larkin, is currently the head coach at Rogers State University for the men's program. He's been there for 13 seasons, and he just won the conference championship in 2019 for the Hillcats for the first time in the program's history. That's right. That's right. Yep. He also coached at Baycone. He played college ball at Missouri Valley College and coached. He also coached at Catoosa High School from 99 to 2002. He compiled six district championships at Catoosa and was honored as head coach of the Oklahoma All-State team in 2002. Tell me about your club coaching. Where are you doing now? Man, I've been coaching club nearly 25 years. I currently coach for uh, OFC out of Tulsa. Uh, OFC uh, Energy East. Uh, I coach uh, 2005 boys, which are eighth and ninth graders. Um, I also coach the seniors, which they just finished up. My son was on that team. Um, so yeah, I've been doing it a long time and I'm coaching two or three teams right now. And uh, of course, we're obviously with everything going on, we've taken a little hiatus and getting, getting, giving everyone a break right now, which is probably needed. Um, but I think they're all probably getting pretty antsy to get back out at it again, you know? I'm sure, I'm sure. So let's uh, let's take you back to to the to the beginning. Let's start from the beginning. What got you and I'm interested? Old. I, don't in know if I, I don't know if I can remember <laughs> that far back. What got you started into soccer? Back then, you know, it wasn't the most popular sport. I'm sure. So it's kind of going against the grain to to get into soccer back then. Yeah, it's it's pretty unique because um, in the sense that you know we didn't have the MLS, we didn't even have access to the English Premier League and things like that. So there wasn't much going on. But that said, Tulsa, at that time when I was young, we had the original Tulsa Roughnecks. And, you know, with unbelievable players, they won a soccer bowl. You had players like Victor Moreland, Steve Earle, you know, Charlie Mitchell was around. All these guys that when I was young had someone to look up to and big-time players. And so we were pretty fortunate to have that in a small city like Tulsa not small, but but relatively speaking, compared to the major metropolitan areas. So to have that was was pretty influential for me growing up. Um, so we were around it all the time. I had friends that uh, were, dad was a, a part owner of the Roughnecks or owner of the Roughnecks, and we grew up playing soccer together. But there was a lady named Kathy Shannon. Um, Kathy Pierce was her maiden name, was a dear friend of mine. And she was one of her and my sister were good friends. And they were the only two female players on a boy's roster because there were not female teams back then. And she was a little bit older and babysitting me. And she basically is the one that introduced me to soccer when I was four or five years old. So wow. having people like that, that were so instrumental uh, in kind of getting me excited about it. And then, and then having the roughnecks, you know, all of that was really kind of the driving force uh, in playing. So, we were very fortunate. I went to school with some of the Roughnecks uh, kids at that time. So we were, we were just around a lot and it, it was a great influence on me. That's for sure. Very cool. Very cool. So you you uh, pre- got pretty lucky there then. And uh, it's kind of a u- very unique situation as you're saying. Yeah. Um, how old were you when you went to your first Roughnecks game, give or take? 
Oh my gosh, I don't know. I want to say, what was it, around 78, 79? I think they were around then. I can't remember the years they started. It's been so long ago. Um, you know, and I may be off for a couple of years. I just remember, you know, unheard of back then getting crowds of 15, 20,000 people when the Cosmos came to town. And, you know, uh, I remember sitting in the, they call it the Pepper Patch back then, uh, the one end zone of Skelly Stadium, the original Skelly Stadium back when. It was the old AstroTurf. And, of course, during the summer, we went to the Mid-America Soccer Camp uh, there at University of Tulsa, where we got to be around some of the Roughnecks. And, and so, yeah, it was it was pretty cool growing up around that. So then did you play in, uh, in during, for clubs before high school? Or? Yeah, it was, it was unique back then because the club scene wasn't what it is today. Back then, you played for your, your area. Um, so I played for a team, uh, a competitive team out of Jinx, a competitive team out of uh, Broken Arrow, and another one called the South Tulsa Blizzard. And I think it was Steve Earle that brought, with the Roughnecks at the time, his kids were playing, brought those three entities together and had a tryout and brought, brought the best players from those three areas and basically formed what was one of the, the first competitive teams, I think, in Tulsa uh, in the Premier League. And so... Uh, a lot of that was just new and happening and developing. And I, I, I was not quite good enough to make that team. Some of my teammates did. And I ended up on another team called Red Star and played for a guy by the name of Milan Dobodon, who played, I think, had a stint with the Yugoslavian national team. So we had some, you know, a small community and we still had some great coaching, professional coaching back then. So we were pretty fortunate. Yeah. Milan also was the owner or manager of an indoor facility back then and, and we played there our club team competed there red star and so uh yeah i played club all the way through high school was a little bit different i played it uh, but i wasn't the most studious person so I, I i missed out on a couple of state championship teams that my friends got to play on um and then from there you know out of high school i, I had all the answers you know i was out with a job i wasn't going to go to college i I knew everything back then, just like every 18, 19 year old does. And uh, I got picked up to play on the Tulsa Renegades for one season, which was kind of a, I don't know what you would call it back then, a glorified men's team or semi-pro team as they called themselves or whatever we were uh, playing indoor. And it was just a, a really a, by chance type of thing. There was a college recruiter from Columbia College watching one of my teammates. He happened to play that night and asked if I'd be interested to go to college. So I didn't go to college until I was 20 years old. And I was taking some classes at TCC and got recruited by Columbia, went up for a visit. Two days later, somebody told me about Missouri Valley College. Knew nothing about it. And in high school, a couple of my friends were going to school there. And I decided to give them a phone call and I met Carl Hutter and the rest was history. I hit it off with Carl. And to, the, to this day, Carl, he's the head coach at Lindenwood University of St. Louis and he and I are, are dear friends and talk weekly still today. Anyway, he recruited me there, and I, I played four years there at Missouri Valley, and he went on to Lindenwood, and um, just timing of everything, the day I graduated, they offered me a coaching job there at Missouri Valley, and I became the head men and women's coach at 25. And uh, that's how I started my coaching career uh, after playing. Did you, like, had a plan to get into coaching, or no, was it just they no, planned it for you? It, it, you know, as much as I love soccer and love sports and athletics, I was really into biology and science. That's what my degree is in, um, in, in biology. And I was looking at pre-med and, 
and it's just funny things. You know, I look at it, God has a plan and, and man, he, he did for me and it wasn't the direction I was going. I, I had applied to some grad schools and didn't get in and, and, and just things kind of happened. And the next thing you know, they, they said, would you be interested in sticking around? And we'll uh, help scholarship your teaching certification if you want to do that while you're teaching. And I said, yeah, why not? And so I stuck around one year as an assistant and ran the junior varsity program there at Missouri Valley. And, and then sure enough, the next year, the coach moved on and they hired me as the head coach. And I've never looked back. I've been coaching for 25 years now, you know, and uh, it's just, it's crazy how things happen for a reason, you know, at right place, right time. And uh, I was very, very lucky. My wife and I had met in college and she was with me the whole time. So it just, it just really all worked out. Um, so yeah, I coached there for a couple of years after I graduated college and played four years there. We won a couple of conference championships while I was at Missouri Valley and had a great uh, time playing and met a lot of great people and, and, uh, and, then, and then jumped into the, the, the coaching aspect of it. What was the biggest difference between playing and coaching for you? Oh man, I mean, you just want to get out there and play. You know, there's only so much you can do. You just, man, and even to this day, you know, I kind of live vicariously through the players. I, 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 I absolutely love, and we, we talk about it all the time still today about soccer moments, creating soccer moments. And you've been around the locker room, and you, you know what I'm talking about. Those moments that uh, you work so hard for to achieve. You know, winning championships and and scoring that that great goal or, 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 or helping one of your teammates do that. And as a coach, you live for those type of moments too. But it, it's it's never quite the same as, as being a player and being out there on the field and being in the locker room with the guys, you know what I mean? So uh, I don't know that I've ever fully adjusted to it. Uh, <laughs> but, man, what I wouldn't give to, to be able to get out there and run around a little bit more um, like I used to. You know? It's a, the next best, next best thing. Yeah, it's the closest you can get. Not good enough to play at the professional level, so I better get into coaching. You know? Did you try to go pro? No, you know there there comes a point. I think in every athlete's life, you gotta you gotta be realistic about the level that you're at. And uh, I was a, 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 a you know NAIA college player, but when it came, you know, there wasn't many options. The MLS was just getting started. Um, I had some people ask me to try out for some indoor semi-pro leagues. And at that time I was 25 and, you know, you passed your prime and, and weren't good enough in the first place. You know what I mean? But, but uh, yeah, there was part of me that wanted to go kind of chase that, but, but I knew deep down I, I wasn't at the level I needed to be. And man, it was time to start life, you know, and get a yeah. job. Wanted to get married and start a family and, and all those kind of things. So yeah, there was a, a few opportunities, but nothing that, that really would have, so how'd you go from uh, the college you're at to Roger State? Again, you know, things happen for a reason. I'm from Tulsa, and, and, and I had been away for about eight years with college and coaching. And um, my first child was on the way. My wife, Christy, and I um, um, were expecting our first. And I called my dad, and we thought about moving home. And, man, all of a sudden, a, a Katusa High School job opened up. And I thought really hard about, you know, leaving the college level and going back to high school. But it really came down to being around my family and being closer to her family and just putting our, our life together. You know what I mean? It wasn't about me chasing a coaching degree. I mean, a, a coaching career. So uh, uh, a guy by the name of Daryl Gordney, who was the superintendent at, at uh, Katusa 
was offered me a job there and I, I went in and coached the, the girls and the boys for a couple of years and and it worked out great. It was fantastic. Loved it. We won a lot of games there and I coached a lot of great players that went on to play in college and I, I still talk to you today. Uh, so I love my experience with all the people I worked with there. But then from there, uh, we start up an ad program at Baycomb College. And the athletic director phoned me out of the blue. Uh, uh, David Ross is a fantastic guy and said, would you be interested? Well, it allowed me to keep staying where I'm at in Tulsa. And I commuted to Muskogee to coach at Baycomb. I thought, well, best of both worlds. I don't have to leave my family and I can get back into the college game. So I took that job and went there and it was, it was, it was great. It really was. But the commute started to wear on us a little bit. My wife was actually teaching at Baycomb at the time and I know this is a lot of information, but uh, then, then I found out that the Bishop Kelly job was opening up and it literally was a mile from where I was living, <laughs> you know, and we thought about opportunities for my kids, private school down the road, you know, and right. our job was on the way and it just made sense. So I took the Bishop Kelly job and what a great place, man. I met some of the greatest people there. Um, we won two state championships back to back there. So a lot of great soccer moments as, as, as we're talking about, mm -hmm. you know, we, we, we won a lot of games at Katusa. Uh, the women won a conference championship at Baycomb. The men did very well there as well. And then we went on to Bishop Kelly, won a couple of state championships there. And while I was there, there was a lot of, uh, talk about, uh, Roger state starting up athletics. And man, my, my parents lived right near the campus. My aunt and uncle worked at Roger State. I knew Roger State inside and out. You know, I, I've kind of grown up around it. Um, and so, man, when I started hearing that, I started doing my research and started calling some people and finding out more and more about what's going on. And, you know, I don't know that I was necessarily the best soccer coach for the job at the time, but it seemed to be a good fit. They needed somebody that could come in and, and get things started and recruit a lot of kids and, I was involved in Tulsa club scene, high school scene, college scene already. So I had a lot of contacts to be able to get us started right away. So when they offered me the job, I, I jumped all over it and I jumped in as both the men and women's coach. They hired me in, I think, January. If, yeah, January. And I hated leaving Bishop Kelly because what a great place. But this just seemed to be the right fit. And they needed me to start a program by August, both men and women, starting in January. And seven, seven months, eight months, man, a monumental task starting from scratch. I mean, Brandon, I can't tell you back then they, they it was an old football field and a track around the field and they had uh, uh, electric wires hanging over the field, you know, of the old light post. And I had to go in and say, Hey man, you, you can't, you can't <laughs> play soccer. Well, why not? They didn't understand, you know? So there was a, a big learning curve, both for the university and for me, and I hired Sean Slater, who's a local, you know, legend of a player, been around forever. We grew up together and he was in the club scene and man, he was absolutely instrumental in helping me recruit kids. And we just, we just dove in, man. We just dove in and, and I think we brought in 60, 70 kids, you know, by fall. And I think the women went to the regional finals the first year and finished runner up. So we came in, and made a splash and yeah, put us on the map. I mean, we were, we, we were man back then. The school was really humming and, and, and was on everybody's mind and we were winning and basketball was getting ready. It was, it was a really exciting time to see things transform and 
and get going. So it, it's a long process, you know, a long road like you were talking about. Uh, jumped around to a few places and then found my home here at Roger State and uh, never looked back. It's been yeah. great. One thing you mentioned was you said you still stay in touch with some people for that you coached Katusa or whatever. That's one thing oh, I've man, noticed. Yeah. One thing I've noticed yeah. about you is like you do stay in touch. Like you create a pathway that you come through and just leave a wake of great people that you that well or scope scene where he's just <laughs> running and I, then he's got this whole family behind him. Like that's one thing that always impressed me was how much you still care about people that you aren't coaching right now that you coached five years ago. Well, I, you know, I, I don't know if I had anything to do with it, but I tell you what, it's uh, it, it is very gratifying in a thankless profession when you get an opportunity to run into people that you were involved in their lives in some way, shape or form and see them. They've taken that next step. You know what I mean? Whether it be a job, marriage, whatever it is. And, you know, that's just cool to watch them grow through all that and, and hope that you had something to do with it somewhere along the lines. And, and, you know, there's such a, a greater picture a greater purpose than winning games and all that kind of stuff. You know, it's, it's about the relationships that you're building. Trust me, I don't always get it right. You know, and, and, and I've made a lot of mistakes in my years and, and hopefully that I've learned along the way and always trying to improve uh, and do things differently. You know, you try things uh, when, when you, when you have these people around you and, and you don't always get it right. God knows, especially when I was first starting out, man, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. Mm -hmm. Coach says they do is lying uh, because you're, you're, you're just trying to figure it out. And, but you hope that you build relationships that are long lasting. You really do. You know, whether I got it right or wrong, I care deeply about the, the kids that I coach, the young men and women, and, and I care about their success and what they're doing. And I think if you, if you try to put them first, that, that all else falls into place. You know what I mean? And like I said, I don't get it right. Um, you can't always get it right, but you do the best you can and you put both feet forward and you just, you just lead with your heart and, and, and hopefully that's, you know, you're going to see some success from that. And that, that, that would be, I guess that would be my, my biggest, uh, I don't know, message or, or thought moving forward is, as long as you're trying to do the right thing and do right by the players, then I, I don't think you can go wrong. You know what I mean? Because you're doing the best you can. And that's all, that, that's kind of been my philosophy all along. So. Speaking of doing the best for the players, I'm sure this year, this last season, you had how many people on your roster? 36. 36. 36. How do you juggle that? How do you give everyone, try to give everyone as much attention as they need? How do you manage that, that, that many people? And what advice would you give to someone else who's trying to? Man, you know, it, you can't, you can't, you, you just can't be all everything to everyone. So I had a, a dear player of mine, named Griffin Kane that played for me at Bishop Kelly. Uh, won me a couple of state championships there, I think, one or two. And then came and played for me at Roger State. And it's kind of a long story, but I'll try to shorten it up. He, he said to me one time, you know, because I like feedback from players, good and bad. You know, you, you, like I said, you're not always going to get it right. And you take the negative stuff that they, they tell you that they wish you'd have done better, and you, you try to learn from that. And you take the positive stuff and try to build on that. He said to me one time, Coach, I think you need to do a better job of dealing with your fringe player. And what he meant by that was, 
you know, coaches always are going to focus on the guys, the the, the starters, the the, the all conference players. You're all Americans. You're you're you know, and and you lose sight sometimes of those players that are working just as hard, sacrificing just as much. You know what I mean? Giving their heart and soul to the program, and they don't get to reap the benefits or seek those moments. And so, as a coach over the years, I've 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 lost sight of that from time to time, and it was nice to hear that from him. So my advice to the players is, you know what? That 36 player is just as important as that number one player. And they may not think that I believe that sometimes. And I don't always show that, but it sure is in the back of my mind and in my heart that, that, that they're just as important. Cause at the end of the day, they're not going pro. They're not, you know what I mean? They're all going to go start their lives just the same and, and look back on this. Hopefully, hopefully favorable and what you've provided for them. So, yeah, with 36 guys, it was really, really tough. It really was. And, I, and I'll tell you the other thing. Try to do right by those guys, and when you can't be everything to everyone, try to surround yourself with great people. So we have established a leadership program within our, 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 our um, team where we, we have five leaders along with our captains, and they have groups that they lead so that they can be more hands-on with the players, more one-on-one when I can't be. On top of that, assistant coaches and bringing people around. Um, you know, your, your father has been instrumental in our program and in our team pastor and been a spiritual leader for us. Brandon, you've come on and helped us with the mental side, along with just building great relationships with our players. People like you, and I've learned over the years, it's not all about me. You're only as good as the people you surround yourself with. So I need good leaders on my player uh, from my players. I need good leadership from them. And then I need great coaches around me that, that can bridge that gap of the areas that I fall short in. You know what I mean? And so for younger coaches to, you know, our, our ego sometimes can get in the way and we think we can be all everything. And, and the reality is you can't, you just can't. Even with smaller rosters, you can't. You're going to fall short. So bringing the right people in and around you is going to be instrumental to your success. And the sooner that younger coaches grasp that, um, man, the more successful they're going to be down the road, I guarantee you. I guarantee you. I know that's kind of a long way to get to, to an answer, but – No, I, the longer the better. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully that's decent insight, you know. Like I said, I don't get it all right, but hopefully learn from mistakes, you know, that I've made over the years. Yeah, Um and I think one thing to add to that is there's a lot of good people out there that are willing to help you out for free because they love 100%. what they do. Like, yeah, you know, people are willing to invest their time because they care about the kids. And the sooner that a coach can kind of drop that, you know, has to be in control. And I, I am, you know, ask my wife, I'm a bit of a control freak, man. Know, and part of that is because early on in my career, it was just me. And I was coaching 50, 60 kids, and you just said, it's got to be my way or the highway type thing. You know what I mean? And, and, and man, over the years, I've, I've hopefully changed for the better and realized that you're right, man. There are some fantastic people out there. If you will just let them come be a part of it, uh, they, they can do great things and, and help you because, again, it's not about me. It's about the kids and how we can help them. So I've really, over the last five to ten years, taken that approach of just building a culture 
with people, great people, and, and not, just, not just you, Brandon, or people that are directly involved, but even those French people, you know, the administrators around our, our campus and um, our athletic director and bringing them in and letting them see a part of it and getting to know our players. And as a result, you know, our players are getting uh, opportunities to do internships and things and meeting people and building that network. You know what I mean? So, man, I, I guess maybe just learning from the station and getting older, I'm, I'm really a lot more open to, to bringing more and more people into our program. In fact, today we, we did a little Zoom meeting with our, our team just to see how everybody's getting along. And they couldn't make it today, but I called some friends of the program that have been around and former coaches and said, hey, man, would you be willing to come in and say hello? Because I think the kids would just love to see those guys and maybe start bringing some alumni into to, to our conversation and fold just because we want to build that network and that, that family. You know what That's I mean? That's a great, great, great idea. Yeah. Because it really yeah, puts so – just- really helps the guys who are there now to like turn it, make it tangible of to people that went through what I'm going through now. It's been worth it. Cause look where they are now. hundred percent. I mean, hundred percent. And some of my former players have become assistant coaches and are now off head coaches. And I've got, I've got former players that are coaching all over the place and not just coaching, but man, family and kids and, and, and careers, great careers. And, um, it's yeah, you're right to see something down the road that's worth fighting for and worth working towards uh, can be really invaluable. And the thing about it that I've learned, is not every player is going to connect with me as head coach. It's just not going to happen. There's going to be players that don't enjoy playing for me. Don't like me. Our personalities clash. You can't be all everything. But if I can keep getting people, good people around our kids, man, hopefully they're going to connect in some way, some level that allows, because God knows when I was at that age, I needed that. And, and that's what my philosophy has been. Carl Hutter, along with a lot of other people, was instrumental. He was the coach at Missouri Valley. And our relationship, you know, at the time when I was playing for him, God, there were days when I couldn't stand him. You know what I mean? He's mm-hmm. run up and down the field and do crazy things. And I didn't understand it at the time. And I look back now on, on what he did for me and the chance and opportunity he gave me. And thank God I opened my eyes, my ears, and my heart to him to allow him to mentor me. You know what I mean? Because he's been one of those, along with a, a dear friend named Reeb Kepner, who has since passed. Um, guys like that were just instrumental, you know? And so, so I've taken that and said, you know what? Let's put people in front of our guys and see if they can connect on some way, shape, or form. Guys like you that are, that are whether you know it or not, are making such a huge difference in – the lives of our, our young men and where they're going to go and help, help mold them. So yeah, we're just going to keep doing the same. Just t- keep trying to get people around our guys and see if we can help them out, you know? Yeah. And I, I think I remember at one point I'm, uh, you saying something along the lines of this is about building relationships and championships are just a byproduct. Well, slipping me I, I may or may have not and if you remember that I love it but you, you're not wrong I mean I think obviously you know this year in particular and we've been close so many times so many factors have to go into winning obviously you gotta have talent right I mean um, you don't have talent you've got to have some other intangibles and, and team chemistry and relationships and culture and all those things are, are so huge and I know it's cliche because Every coach says those things, but 
you can't put a value on that. You know what I mean? And, and all we're trying to do is create that type of culture. Every coach is that has that winning mentality. And there's so many things and it's ever changing because I mean, look at what we're dealing with right now across the world. You know what I mean? And when we come out of this and we will, we will, we're going to be stronger for it, but how we go about things now compared to how we're going to go about things in another year and, and what our values are and what, what we deem important to us and what drives us, what motivates us is going to be. So, yeah, I think building strong relationships, developing culture, all those things are probably the biggest elements in my mind uh, for, for building a championship type team, you know, and it, it definitely played part in what we did this year. It wasn't anything I did uh, other than try to bring the right players together. But I think, bringing in some of the aspects that you brought in the mental training, how to focus in on what's important, how to set goals and the things that you put forth, having people like your father and Keith and, and what he has brought to this program to build this relationship and having 36 guys and having them all buy into what we're doing. That's hard to do because there's a lot of kids that we're not playing and probably weren't very happy about it. You know what I mean? But hopefully they believed in what we were doing and they supported the players that were on the field and they supported the, the, the culture and the cause. And they believed in Roger State and what our program has done in the past and, and building on that tradition. And when you get guys all rolling in the same direction, it's, it's amazing what, what you can accomplish. And I think for the first time, and correct me if I'm wrong, because you, you, you're around those guys probably closer than I am, it was something tangible. Once we finally won, they kind of look around and go, okay, I get it now. All these things that they've been preaching and talking about, it makes sense. And it's probably the primary reason why we achieved the goals that we set, set at the beginning of the year. You know what I mean? And hopefully that's going to be a driving force moving forward for sure. But yeah, sorry, man. You know me, I can ramble and ramble and ramble. Oh, rambling's good. Um, speaking of tangible, that ring that everyone got, all 36 of them, that was pretty tangible. Yeah, it was, it was pretty neat. And, and, you know, I tell you the coolest thing about it is watching the guys, obviously the guys that were on the field and in those moments and the things that, that, that were created and the goals that were scored and blah, blah, blah. But the guys that weren't and what it meant to them because – we don't achieve anything without all of those guys. I mean, there was a point in the season, yeah. and we haven't, we haven't told this, but there was a guy named Aaron Field came in, and we had some key injuries to the goalkeeper position, and we began to panic, as you remember, about what are we going to do with our only keeper if he goes down? Who's going in? And there was a kid that came in out of the classroom, that had had some experience playing and went in every day and trained with us. And man, the guys beat him up every day. And it, I mean, long story short, this guy went through everything we did every day and blood, sweat, and tears just because he wanted to come be a part of it. And, and didn't get to play. In the game. And didn't get to play. Never stepped foot on the field. And you know what? To watch a kid like that get a ring and have something tangible to take away from it and know – I don't know that he'll ever know. I hope he does. I hope he listens to this because I've told him, and I know others have told him. But, man, having people like that, it's your program forever. And uh, 
hopefully set an example for what's really important to, to, to the rest of the guys. You know, and he just came in and did it for the love of the game and the love of our program. And it was cool to watch him get a ring, you know, I guess yeah. that's uh, yeah. to me, that was probably bigger than some of the, you know, the captains and the, the guys that play all the time. So pretty cool, pretty tangible. That's for sure. This last season, the part that was cool, sorry to interrupt, was the guys that walked away from that and went, this is cool. And and I think that's pretty neat. You know what I mean? It's motivating them to want to get to a national tournament, to want to strive to to, to win a national championship. And, man, when you start getting that, that momentum really begins to build the future. So that's cool. That's one thing I've noticed about you is you're always pushing people to go one more step, one more level, more. <laughs> and where does that come from to like? Oh, it's man, like, probably some probably some dark demons, you know, <laughs> way in the past. But I'll, I'll, it's, a, it's a blessing and a curse in a sense that, you know, a lot of players don't get it. And it's probably my, my own kids get it worse than, than anybody. I've just been one that you can always do more. There's always more to be done. And sometimes I lose sight of what I just accomplished maybe or what the team just accomplished because I'm always looking forward. So that's what I mean by a curse sometimes. Sometimes mm-hmm. I need to step back and relish in the fact that, hey, we just did something really, really big, you know. And But I'm always – it's kind of if I scored a goal in a game, why didn't I score two? Why didn't I score three? You know what I mean? And that's just been my mentality. It's like, okay, I did achieve that what's next and that's what's always motivated me and driven me you know what I mean I've just never been satisfied um with okay I always wanted more and I try to put that in the players and sometimes I go about it the wrong way because you know in their minds like god I can never do good enough it's never good enough and I hate that because what some of them don't understand is deep down in my heart how proud I am of what they achieve not just winning a championship but what they achieve every day the sacrifice that they put in, because I've been there as a player. But the guys that, I mean, and I tell them from time to time, you got to be kind of half nuts to do what we do when you think about it. <laughs> you know, we, we get a little bit of scholarship money, and we probably would save money by, by just going to school and not even playing, but they decide to get up every day at 6 a.m. And, and train and do things that nobody wants to do. You know what I mean? Very few people get up and say, man, this is fantastic, you know? going through all the, the pain and, and suffering and, and work for hopefully capturing a moment. But I'll tell you what, when that moment comes, it makes it all worthwhile. And I think that's what we all strive for. You know what I mean? But I think if I could say anything to those players, it just they don't even know how much I appreciate what they do uh, because not everybody can do it. Not everybody's cut out to do what we do. And uh, trust me, I never lose sight of that. It may seem like it because I'm always wanting you know what I mean? Yeah. But man, uh, they they sacrifice a lot, and it's 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 pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, one of the talking about the how it was that thirty six player matters in this season. You know, everyone was buying in. One thing I noticed that was different from the last few seasons that I've seen you guys is when when we would score a goal, like everyone got up to celebrate. Like, it wasn't Jake that scored that goal. It was the whole team, even the guys on the bench. Like, everyone celebrated. 
Yeah, you know, again, nothing we've done special. It was pretty unique. I think we've got a lot of upperclassmen, but I also think it's a testament to just the culture of like, it, I think, I think more importantly, and Jake might correct me on this, but I think there came a point when you have players that have kind of grown up a little bit coming through the program. And Jake was at a point in his career, like, I think he realized that those goals don't come from just him. You know what I mean? And so when those egos kind of drop a little bit and you start embracing the guys around you that work so hard to help you, then it gets reciprocated. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, I had to watch Jordan work so hard to to beat people and, and whip balls across and, you know, the defense to work so hard to not concede goals. And, and all of a sudden the momentum starts to build and people are feeding off of each other. And I think, I think, I think a lot of it just came from upperclassmen and leadership and, and, you know, uh, understanding that it wasn't just them, you know, and, and when you did that, then, then people are more apt to want to celebrate with you. You know what I mean? Yeah, I definitely noticed it. This, it. I definitely noticed that a lot more this season. Well, we tried to change our training sessions a little bit. Uh, I don't know if the players felt this. Probably not. And this came from assistant coaches giving me advice. You know, you think you know it all, but so many times, especially when you have a big roster, you've got a lot of kids standing around watching in training. Mm-hmm. We tried to change that over the last couple of years and try to set sessions up where it really kept everybody involved. And so even if you were a red shirt and weren't playing, you hopefully were a part of the training session. You know, couldn't always get that done because sometimes you just can. But, man, we really tried and we're going to continue to try to, to, to include everybody in the training sessions and know that they're only one step away from being a starter. You know what I mean? And if you can keep that kind of um, edge, you know, that steel sharpened steel that, that they have a chance to get in, then, then – I think it, it, they're going to feel a part of more of a part of it for sure. Yeah, that's important. Um, how, how have you gone about making things on the playing on the training grounds more fun? <laughs> well, I, I don't know that all our players would, would say that it's fun, but you know, we we try to, and this has come from getting out of my old ways and allowing my assistant coaches to really come in and insert themselves because I'm kind of an old stick in the mud sometimes, you know what I mean? Cause I'm just all business all the time for the most part. And um, I've had to realize those shortcomings and bring some good assistance in, you know, several years back I had Sean Slater that was a great assistant for me for, for seven or eight years. And then I was very fortunate to bring in uh, uh, Scott Parkinson, who is now coaching professionally in the women's level and he brought some energy to our program that helped change things and set us on a course um, that hopefully we're still on and, and really instilled some philosophies and things in me that have kind of helped. Um, and then Mitch Sowerby, who was a player, who was probably the most positive person I've ever been around in my life. And Mitch coming in as an assistant and bringing that positive atmosphere and laughing all the time and getting on with the players. And, and now, you know, bringing in Mac Orr, who, who's – another just super positive guy, never a negative out of him. And then now Jake Simpson, who was a player, um, just all these, I've been very fortunate to just have great assistant coaches that, you know, I allow them to, to develop as coaches and allow them to instill some of the things that they believe in and their personalities and characteristics. 
that I think have allowed the training sessions to be competitive. And our guys thrive on that. It's, it's fun. And we've created some things, you know, God, we have competitions every day and we're constantly taking photos of the winning teams. And now it's become a contest to see who can get their photo taken and be on social media every day, you know? Um, <clears throat> so when you create that kind of atmosphere, I think even when you're working hard, knowing that there's something at the end of it, you know what I mean? A reward yeah. type of culture that, that they, they enjoy it. They enjoy it. I think, I think, I think if you ask most of the players, they, they enjoy not all the time because man, we got to work, but I think enjoy our training sessions. I really do. They seem to. Well, a perfect example of that, of people doing that outside of, you know, once they graduate from Derek Larkin, uh, just a few minutes ago. RSU, um, you mean. Yeah. yeah. Um, Jake Simpson talking about how many views his podcast got compared to the other two episodes that are already already out there. He's already like, I've got the most views. Like, it's already I, a competition. I, like, they make everything a competition. Well, and it's great. I don't think that's anything I've done. I think maybe I've recruited those type of players. They've recruited – anyway, we, we – it is, I will say this. It is probably the most competitive group of guys I've ever been around in my entire life. It doesn't matter what it is. You can't walk in the locker room and they're not competing. <laughs> it's FIFA or Call of Duty or what? I, who knows, man? Who's the best singer on the team? Who's the best? I mean, we have training sessions where we play a game that's really not conducive to anything we're doing for the upcoming match that we're going to play. And I'm not so sure they don't play harder in, in that particular training session than they do in the game. They, they take more pride in winning a 6v6 competition. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. And, and it gets so competitive, sometimes i got to shut it down. <laughs> I mean, the guys are just, you know, they're, they're best of friends. But when it comes to competing, oh, my goodness, man. And, and I think back to what you said about Jake, I got more views. That's just those guys' personality, man. And it's my personality as well. I'm the same way. If you ask my kids at home who the most competitive person, I told them I wouldn't be doing them any favors if I let them win. So, you know, growing up, I, I dominated, man. We played basketball and they were four years old and I, I'd be, you know, dominating the court. I mean, I'm not going to let them win, you know, and that's how my players are. So, uh, yeah, we've kind of created a, a, a pretty competitive atmosphere. There's no doubt about it. It's a lot of fun. It is. It is. Um, let's talk about the the mental aspect of how you've seen your players change over the last year or two. From not to brag, but to some of the stuff I've come in and implemented. Um, what's been the biggest change that you've seen in your players? Well, probably the biggest thing is is. It's hard, it's hard to put a label on it, but to me, it seems a sense of maturity, all right? Like, just, it seems like when you kind of get out of that, I'm a young student away from home having fun, and my priorities are this, this, and this, your priorities begin to change a little bit. And I'll tell you, this thing that you brought to the table was one, obviously, you're an inspiration to all, and I'm sure that on this podcast if people know your background or your story, but what table and, and your perseverance and the things that you've accomplished are 
infallible. I mean, I can't even, I mean, it's meant so much to me, my family, our team, our program, what you've showed us that can be done through hard work and perseverance. Uh, it's unbelievable. You've, you've taught yourself how to walk again. And um, it, it, we've all got to be a part of that. So not only have you brought, and, and let me back up, you, you, we've, we've, we've hired you to come in and do some things and some mental training and goal setting that's been uh, fantastic for our guys in our program. And it's allowed them to take a step back from, you know, that college life and really focus in on the things that are important. But on top of you doing all that kind of training, I guess where I'm going with this, is you've also showed them, right? Talk about things being tangible. You showed them. So yeah, here it is. And it's difficult to get a 20 year old to read a passage and go, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And that motivate them or watch a video and that motivate them. But when they see what you do personally and what you've been through, I hope that's changed them forever. You know what I mean? And I believe that it has. It's changed me. It's changed me and how I go about things and what's really important. And, and, you know, just when I think I'm mentally tough, you know, because every athlete wants to pride themselves on, on and, and coach and, and, and people in general, just how mentally tough we really are. And then someone like yourself comes along and says, man, you don't even know. You don't even know. And there's a whole nother level. Score one goal. I want to score three. Well, I've been sitting at zero goals and I'm watching you bury hat trick after hat trick on the mental side of things. You know what I'm saying? Does that, does that, does that make sense? Yeah. I, I don't, that's kind of how I look at it. Like, I don't know that I can ever reach that, but I tell you what, I want some of it. I want some of what you got because where you get it from, I have no idea, but I'll tell you what, I want some of that. And I think our players see that. And so when you have somebody that can not only bring it on an instructional level, but then on a personal level, I think it's, it is, it has been the missing link to our program that we've needed. We've been so close and we've had great players and great teams but Keith coming in and adding that spiritual touch and just that, that solid piece in our locker room that when, you know, coach is jumping all over me and I don't understand this and why is he getting on to me and so on and so forth, they had someone to turn to. And then for you to come in and bring what you've brought personally, um, it's, it's everything we needed. I, me personally, I think that's what put us over the top. That's what helped us win a championship was what you brought to the table. And that's the mental aspect of it, the mental training, setting goals. And the more and the more the guys were around you and we're doing this stuff, the more and more they believe in it. Yeah. As athletes, I mean, come on, you, you are an athlete too. You, coaches have been preaching this from the beginning, right? Got to be mentally strong. Well, what does that mean? You know what I mean? Like, how can I put something tangible to that? And I think that's the component that you've really brought to the table. You usually see this, like, because you hear all this stuff and you, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. You talk about it, but do you really live it and believe it? And I think when people started to see it happening, they started to believe it. Start to believe, man, that changes your culture. Yeah. That's the biggest part. Anyway, man, and I can go on I, forever I, about it. I practice what I preach, I think, was the biggest thing. I, I hate hypocrisy. So I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to get up there and talk, you know, you need to do this, 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 and me 
not do be doing those things. So I made sure that if I'm going to go up and, you know, talk about setting goals, talk about, you know, going the extra mile, talk about never giving up. I got to do it myself or else I'm a hypocrite. Who's going to listen? You know, it's not going to have any value, but if I do it and show them and they can be like, and I, and as I'm doing it, I'm saying, remember that one technique? Yeah. That's how I did this. Or remember that technique of just get five more steps in. That's how I made it across the entire soccer field. And I could like draw lines from those techniques to tangible things. I think that's, well, I, I, there's no doubt. And just to, to piggyback on that, like what you're talking about is leading by example. I mean, to be a great leader, you got to lead by example. And God knows I've fallen short sometimes, not only in my personal life, but as a coach too. And it's something that when I surround myself around people like yourself, it, it reminds me of what I need to be doing. You know what I mean? As a person. And, and man, over the years, God knows I've forgotten so many things and made mistakes, like I said before, but as long as we're, we're up front and trying to do things right and do and lead the right way. And I hope that the players, cause I think that's the key component. We all talk about all oh, we want great leaders and everybody reads these leadership books and does all these kind of things. But when you're talking about 20 year olds, you know, being captains and leaders, man, it's hard to fault or take issue with anybody that's setting the example themselves. You know what I mean? If, if your most fit players on the team are out front, everybody, and they're your captains, kind of hard for somebody else to, to, you know what I mean? Well, you need to be better at what you do. He's setting the example. And I think if I could give anything to those, those younger kids is, 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 yeah, you can be a vocal leader, but if you don't, like you said, if you don't practice what you preach, then no one's going to buy in. You know what I mean? God knows you do that, Brandon. I'll tell you what. Well, one of the good things about the whole thing was like, as I'm doing this stuff, I'd get lazy sometimes and be like, well, I can't get lazy. I can't let myself get lazy because I've got all these guys to answer to. Like they would push me without even knowing it just because I was helping them. So they yeah, were helping it's, me. It, it, it's amazing. You feed on one another. You know what I mean? Feed on one another. And believe me, uh, it took me a long time as a coach to realize that too, that, that I probably learned more from my players than I could ever teach them, to be honest. And they remind me of that each and every day, not just about soccer, but life in general. You know what I mean? And they've made me a better person for it. I believe that wholeheartedly. But I tell you what, does your, does your audience know um, your background? I mean, have you? I'm going to be putting out. Or am I overstepping my bounds? No, no, no. um, I'm going to be putting out something about it. I haven't gone into depth about it yet. Um, But uh, we can talk about it now. Uh, We don't have to. It's totally up to you, man. It needs to get out at some point. So I just didn't know how to do it. Well, I tell you what, I'll do this. I I will share and I'll keep it brief. Okay. You can come back later. In case you don't know, Brandon, uh, former soccer player, was in a car accident that left him paralyzed uh, from the waist down and has not been able to walk, been in a wheelchair, in a nutshell, right? Yep. How long did that accident take place? 2005, 15 years ago. Okay, 15 years. And, man, I'm going to get my dates wrong because my memory as I'm getting old, as you can see, I, I, I'm losing a little bit here. But several years ago, 
you started, uh, well, you've started since day one. I'm going to walk again. I mean, as simple as that. But you brought it to our attention and you were able to, I remember the first time you came in and you wanted to be a guest speaker and talk about mental toughness. I thought, okay, all right, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll give it a go. But then when you told me you wanted to get up and show the guys and girls and you wanted to challenge yourself to walk on our field and the day you did that, I think it changed lives forever. So in a nutshell, we're, we're sitting here talking about athletes and mental training. Let me tell you something, Brandon, you are the epitome of mental toughness and watching you do this and what you've overcome in the last 15 years. Um, I, I can't even imagine, but it's an inspiration to all. I'll tell you that. Um, it's changed my life. Like I said before, I guarantee you. Hey, well, I feed off of that. You guys, me being able to inspire you inspires me in return. So well, that's good, man. We need each other. Yeah. yeah. And I, I believe that man, God puts uh, people in your lives for a reason. You know what I mean? And, uh, I tell you what, it's changed our program and, and it's just been it's been it's just been really neat too because I know you're trying to develop some things and work on some things um, and how you can help our athletes and to watch you grow through that through trial and error and different things and what works with athletes and leading by example and all these kind of things and and it's gotta be pretty cool for you to see some intangibles, not only you personally, you know, in your own challenges and, and trying to walk and all those things, but watching these guys achieve, you know what I mean? Yeah. Achieve what they did this year and know that you were a huge instrumental part of that. Uh, man, that's, uh, that's got to feel pretty good. Gives me goosebumps just thinking about it. <laughs> you got the ring to prove it, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. And yep. Uh, really cool I'm going to add that about my whole story, the hardest thing about not being able to walk has been not being able to play soccer. I can't tell you how many years it took for me to drive by a soccer field and not just start ball because I could that, play. And I can't, I can't even imagine. And uh, I know I shared that with the team. And I know like for Jake has told me personally, he's like, that helped me so much. Just like when I'd go and, put on my cleats and when I didn't want to practice and didn't want to have those sore legs and didn't want to run, I just remember Brandon told me you'd give anything to be here right now. I ain't, what am I complaining about? So for, yeah, for me to finally find a way to get back into soccer without playing and thrive by playing through the guys, like it's, it's been life-changing for me I mean it's it's allowed me to do what I love again that makes me so happy to hear that um yeah, yeah it, it uh I get a little emotional thinking about it because it, it has been really really special even I probably shouldn't throw Jake under the bus I'll let you talk about it it meant so much to him he's even got a little memento uh on on his legs did he share that in his yeah we talked about that um my crutches have the word strength and honor on them, and he got those tattooed to his calves in my honor. So. I mean, if that, if that doesn't tell you right there what, what, how you've inspired somebody, uh, man, nothing else will. I mean, he, he got it uh, permanently tattooed on him, and uh, I think that's a, a true testament to what, what you've done and how you've changed lives. And we're going to keep changing lives, right? Yes, we're gonna together. Yep. We're just getting started, man. Yep. And uh, that, that's a pretty cool deal. 
the stuff you've implemented in talking about mental training and watching you go through these things and then share with our players, it really has been instrumental. And I hope the players are, are smart enough and savvy enough to realize what, what it's meant. You know what I mean? It's like you said, it's, it's really easy for all of us as humans to get caught up in our daily grind, you know, and uh, things aren't going right and not feeling right, or I'm on, been treated unfair or things like that. And then you have to take a step back and, and things like what you're talking about, the ability to even go out and just kick a soccer ball. Not even talking about playing in a big game, just the ability to go out and kick a ball, just to, just to run around the field, you know, and, and do that again. And we definitely take those things for granted. And, and sometimes, you know, I don't think you, I'm sure you do realize, but it just, you know, when you're around us all the time, it does put things in perspective for people. And it, and it makes you do a little bit of life check, you know, a little soul searching about what's really important. And uh, kind of goes back to the savoring those moments we talk about and how important those little moments are. And I'm not talking about winning games. Just that moment in the game. I mean, even, even when you look down the bench and you sub a guy in who has not played in four games and the look on his face that almost out of panic, I don't know, or excitement, or they don't even, <laughs> they even run past me before they go into the game because they forget to, to get instructions from me. You know what I mean? Like, that's a moment for them. Um, and even in their personal lives, the moments that, that, that uh, come across that you hear about. And uh, anyway, uh, we just we tend to take things for granted. And I, I think it's great to put things in perspective for sure. Cool. Well, we're going to wrap it up here. Coach Larkin, thank you so much for being a part of this. It's been great talking to you and delving deeper into your mind a little bit and learning <laughs> about you. The method to the madness. Well, Brandon, man, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you, what you've done for me, what you've done for the program, and what you're doing now, man. I think this is great getting information out to people and the ability to talk about how important the, the mental side of the game really is, um, both on a personal level and an athletic level. So, and uh, I just appreciate you. Love you, man, and uh, take care of yourself, all right? All right. Love you, Coach. Yeah, we'll talk soon. Love See you, too. Ya. See you. Bye.